Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to the State of the World Address here at Thunderdome Metal Reviews. My name is Benjamin Lindsay. With me is Tracy Newport. How are you doing tonight, Tracy? I am doing good tonight, Mr. Ben Dangerously. It's oh. been a good day to be here. Thank you, everyone, for turning in and listening to Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Uh, uh, we are here to talk about the third studio album from Biohazard from Brooklyn, New York. Um, as previously stated, it is State of the World Address. <laughs> oh, I think we could do that the whole episode. Uh, probably good, but it would be annoying after a while. I uh, released <laughs> on May 24th of 1994. It has a runtime of 57 minutes and 36 seconds. The personnel on this album are Evan Seinfeld on bass and vocals. Billy Graciado, or Billy Graciati on guitars and vocals, Bobby Hamble on guitars, Danny Schuler on drums, with guest vocalist Sindog from Cypress Hill on How It Is, and let me get a lump sum, the hidden track at the end. That actually has a title to it? Um, I think the title is actually Ink, but... Oh. Yeah. It's like I was just like, hmm, it's like an hour and a half. Let me get a lump sum. Let me get some. Let me get a lump sum. But anyway. Yeah. I was like, that's a short. I wonder if that's one of those hidden tracks. But I was like, there's not a lot of buffer in between them. Because they read from Love Denied right into it, you know? Well, yeah. Um, on the actual CD, Love Denied ended at the 4 minute and 40 second mark. And then the hidden track kicked in at 4.54. So... 14 seconds of silence, roughly. So maybe enough if you were just like, all right, I'm done, next. But not really. Exactly. Next, but not really. Kind of hidden. It's like the, uh, you can still see the doors there, the outline of it, and it's quite noticeable, but you're like, I don't quite know where the handle's at. (laughs) Sure. So uh, this is my first time hearing this album. Uh, I would imagine so. I think it's my third Biohazard album. Um, I'm surprised it's your third Biohazard album, considering I thought Urban Discipline was your first. It was, and during my since I ended up listening to their, which I found out a couple minutes before we started recording, a, uh, was their, actually their first album, and their stuff titled. Ah, okay. Uh, that night I sent you on the wrong side of the tracks lyrics. I was listening to their self-titled album, which I didn't know until I looked at Wikipedia. They re-recorded Wrong Side of the Tracks for... I was like, this song sounds familiar. Where have I heard it from? And I never realized it was on Urban Discipline and Biohazard. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I got a double dose of that. Okay, no wonder this song makes sense now. So this is my third Biohazard album. Okay. So I'm three for three in the early albums. Uh, And I know... Uh, the, the, The... you know, after this one, the uh, original lineup of the band isn't together anymore. So you have the all three of the original lineup. What happened? Um, the lead guitarist quit after this album because of musical differences, quote unquote. Oh. He later rejoins like a decade later or something. But um, and this band has had all kinds of lineup changes. That's I think that's one of the reasons that they never quite were able to maintain the momentum that they had coming out of Urban Discipline into this album. Um, it's because of lineup changes and stuff. Um, for example, Evan Seinfeld 
the bassist and one of the two vocalists for it, you know, starts acting and he's in Oz and then he like gets into porn and then he, like him and, and Billy, the other vocalist guitarist kind of start several side projects. And even though they come together and record some albums that I'm a fan of anyway, I don't, Tracy hasn't heard them. So it would be unfair for him to me to say that he is or is not, you know, they, their energy is just diffused over various projects after this. Yeah. And you can kind of tell, listen to this album. I feel like Urban Discipline, even their self-titled, had a little more cohesiveness to it. I feel like, and maybe it's just, this album for me is, well, relatively solid and still like it's got that biohazard sound. It feels a little more scattershot in their approach to some of like the songwriting. Interesting. I, I don't feel that way at all. What makes you say that? Well, it's just kind of like thematic. Well, I don't say thematically, but like it just seems like the songs sounded more cohesive in those. I could just be imagining it now. But like we can listen to Urban Discipline and going from Punishment to the next song, next song. Like, like it all made sense. And then like some of them here, like you can kind of see where they're more hip-hop roots are bled into it more so than the other um, than it did on the other previous two albums, and they came much more notice, and you also have, like, the guests from Cypress Hill in yeah. here, and, like, there's a couple parts in it that... Um, I think... I think I see where you're going now. And, um, you know, there have been reviewers, and I don't remember who they are off the top of my head right now, who said that this was an unintentional rap rock album. So not exactly new metal, but kind of the um, forefather of new metal, which we had kind of said about urban discipline. And this takes it a step further. I don't think that there is a conscious decision to make this more hip hop. I just think that, again, these guys are reflecting the streets and the neighborhoods that they grew up. And there is, elements of hip-hop there and they're just incorporating that into the sound because the the hidden track ink that we talked about that's basically a rap song it's acapella but it's basically a rap song the having sin dog and dj lethal on how it is um there's a couple other songs where the the way that the vocals are done are almost rap but i didn't really see that as that much of a deviation from urban discipline because these songs are still essentially about the street life and that they had talked about on Urban Discipline, where I see this kind of taking a step away from that is in, uh, I think it's Remembered, uh, the track where they're talking about, you know, we want to give respect to the Vietnam veterans, you know, and, and stuff of that, that at the time I ate up with a fucking spoon and I, I you know, um, but it's kind of odd for a metal band. Uh, yeah, I will say the first time I heard remember, I was kind of like, uh, I didn't expect this from these guys. And I will agree. I think that's part of it is like vocally there is, the singers do seem more rap style instead of like their hardcore that they seem to have on urban discipline. Uh, 
they're kind of are, you know, kind of a little less hardcore-y, I think is the way that maybe that's an apt way to describe it. Uh, I don't know that it's that different. They got a little bit more rhythm, and if you want to say that that's more rappy than it was hardcore okay, but, you know, yeah. I, I, to me, there wasn't that big a difference between the two. But, again, that that's just me. The, the rap influence, I believe, is takes a much more stronger influence on this album than it did the other two. I will maybe, and maybe that's what is is I've also never been a big fan of the early 90s hip-hop. Like, there's, like, one Tupac song I like, and outside of that, that's it. And so I think that is definitely bleeding through more so in this album than it did the other two. And their styles of, like, their mannerisms and how they're singing, I feel like, and how they've arranged them, the music to kind of, like, have more of a hip-hop beat and kind of to go along with it is part of it. And I think that's where I'm getting at with like i feel like the tonality shifted a little bit between the albums here that is so interesting because there's only like i said really two songs that i can see that being the case um of course uh how it is which had sin dog on it and then ink the hidden track because for the most of it everything else still had the shouty hardcore choruses and stuff like that. So, um, you know, and that's two tracks out of what? 14, um, 15, if you count the hidden tracks. So, uh, um, and maybe you're picking up on elements that I just, I mean, those are your bread and butter as you're growing up. And you don't see much of that nowadays. No, I mean, this is, and, you know, I think the comp when people hear rap metal is to take new metal, and this is not new metal by any means. No, um, this is. But it, it's also not, you know, it's also not Rage Against the Machine either, which I would agree with you does incorporate much more hip hop elements and much more rapping vocals. Um, but I will say that listening to this album, I got a lot of body count. Um, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that, but... Like, like I'm kind of getting a similar vibe into that. I see, like, the way it's written. Like, I feel like if you were to put Biohazard and Body Count within, like... At least I've only heard one of those albums by Body Count, so that's... it. Could It's a very skewed viewpoint. And it's their last one they did that they released this year. So... Like, you can see if you were to put them next to each other, like, on a genre place. Like, I feel like Body Count and Biohazard, this Biohazard especially, would kind of incorporate similar lanes. And I feel like their urban discipline kind of had a little more punk base in there, was a maybe skewed a little more towards a different side. It wasn't as close to hip-hop, but it still had its roots in there some, but it, like, wasn't exactly as close. Uh, okay. I mean, I don't agree with you necessarily, but I, I can't argue your point that that is what you, you were hearing. Because um, Body Count was much more rap than metal, especially in the stuff that was coming out at the same time as this. Um, the new Body Count, okay, but we're also talking about something that came out in 2019 or 2020. Yeah, and that's what I'm as saying. As opposed to something that came out in 94. 
That's why I'm so, saying it's a very skewed viewpoint because my body can't yeah. for that album is non-existent. Right, right. And so I do say these guys look more at doing and talking about their life and what they're dealing with and how life is going for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, see, this is and that's to me. It's it really is a grab bag. To that, this I will agree with you that it's a grab bag of different musical styles because it's essentially punk, hardcore with a little bit of hip hop mixed in. And I guess I just don't, I don't notice the hip hop flavor as much as she did. Well, like I've grown up in the age of hip hop with Little John and Auto Tune. I'm not familiar with the uh hell really the only hip-hop guy that i even remotely closely like that is known more for his lyricism and writing with a little bit beats and less so you know the production of it is tech nine like everybody else like tupac biggie nwa ice cube like i have no experience with them so what i think for you is what you grew up listening to, like it's amalgamation. Yeah. And, you know, when we kind of had the discussion about the, when we did our top albums all time, it's very much you could tell kind of the area you guys grew up in as opposed to, like, I could say the era silo I grew up in. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, that, and that's fair. And so I feel like, well, and so for me, I'm kind of catching like, okay, this isn't for me what I consider a metal style. For you, this is like this is what I've been hearing since 1994. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. this is what I got on it. And but the grab bag behind this is definitely definitely there. I mean, you got them talking about five blocks to the subway. <laughs> I mean, which in that time in New York, five blocks to the Nicosia subway is probably not a very fun trip to take half the time. At least according to the song. Yeah. And then you like, and I think for them, this is in a sense, their state of the world, how they see the world and how thing is around, how the world is around them. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, in that way, I think it's very much a continuation of urban discipline. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's a bit more ambitious than urban discipline. Um, but you know, the state of the world address and oh, let's just go ahead and transition and talking about songs. The aforementioned, Five Blocks to the Subway, State of the World Address, Down for Life, Tales from the Hard Side, which is about, you know, this is what a life of crime is. If you want to have these things through a life of crime, this is what it's going to be like. Um, And it doesn't necessarily glorify it, which that description kind of made it sound like it did. But it's just, you know, like, hey, you're going to, you get carjacked, this is what happens. Um, It talks about the racism and ethnic pride of these neighborhoods it's like this is my neighborhood who the fuck let you in um in those things and we also have pride human animal cornered love denied all these things that i think really are just a continuation of, of urban discipline yeah and like you even look at it like in failed territory they're talking like you're looking at that disparity there <clears throat> and the differences of like what I kind of gathered from listening to it is like the way, you know, we talked about offline sometimes how Milwaukee is this super segregated city on purpose. And so, like, kind of those situations. And so this is much, very much more, I think, a 
a microscope turned back towards their lives on the inside and kind of like this is life on the streets from where we're at not so much what you're getting out in the media out in the world around you yep and a city struggling motherfucking rat race can be pressure cooker that explodes in your face for sure my man you had that keyed up for a while <laughs> <laughs> you're like just lead me in lead me in I got you on this one <laughs> but I mean you're definitely seeing them guys are examining their life and it's kind of you know we kind of talked about it you know at this time where you had burn my eyes oh rage against the machine John O'Brien. You know, we did like five or six yeah. albums there yeah, yeah, totally. recorded in close succession of all these albums dealing with like these problems in the early 90s that like pop media culturally that I though will never say shit about. And like that didn't happen then. We were great in the 90s. And then <laughs> right. you see, and Biohazard and all these bands are just like, hey, fuckface, look at this. Because all everybody really thinks about is. New York City to think about the now gentrified New York City it is or what's on Friends, but they don't like look at the actual like 90s for 70% of the population in New York City. Right, and it's, this is kind of like what we talked about, you know, when we talked about those other albums in that they were describing the very real problems of their neighborhood. It's just that Biohazard didn't necessarily have the political language to talk about it in perhaps as sophisticated a way as Rage Against the Machine did. Um, and they're not talking about exactly the same things as Machine Head, the other band that you brought up, because they're on the other side of the fucking country. But yeah, it's definitely that's happening into urban decay and, um, you know, and to that, if you think thematically, this also is a lot of the thematic themes of gangster rap music. So I can definitely agree with you there, even though I didn't, when you were talking about stylistically, I didn't necessarily agree, but thematically I do. Because if you took the same lyrics and changed them up a little bit, they could be a gangster rap song talking about how drug dealing is fucking up the neighborhood and the violence on the streets and everything like that. And, you know, when we, Megadeth isn't talking about this. I mean, Megadeth is talking about political stuff and how fucked up the world is, but they're not talking about it at the uh, micro level. They're talking about it at the macro level and Slayer, the same thing. They're really kind of talking about it at the micro uh, macro level with micro level examples whereas this is very much a street level view of what's fucked up and what's going on yeah and it's a street level view it's a case study of the street level view of New York City yeah exactly so I mean they definitely the state of the world address definitely focus on their world and how it is Instead of being, when I first heard that, I was kind of, it was kind of be more the broader Rage Against Machine style, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of, like, I can say, not magnum opus, but he's towards that name, but um, yeah, much more, go ahead. ahead, oh, I was gonna say, it's a much more narrow, defined aspect behind it, and, like, this is the state of the world address in the terms of our world and how our lives are going in this era. 
That's probably fair. I would say that you know, they would say that it's a state of the world address in that it is, um, for lack of a better term, the ghetto areas in a lot of the big cities. You could probably say the same things about. Um, I would say that what they're singing about in Brooklyn, New York, probably applied to like Cabrini Green in Chicago and, you know, the the area that Machine Head, because the lyrics here aren't that far off from what Machine Head was doing. Um, you know, so the Bay Area, I think that there is a broader application. It just doesn't. It's, again, more micro than macro level in that it's not the same thing as when um, fucking Countdown to Extinction, for example, which is talking about climate change, which really is a universal problem as opposed to the drug dealers and you're fucking having to walk five blocks to public transportation. Me and you both grew up in a place where public transportation is a joke at best, so... I mean, hell, in this area, public transportation didn't exist besides the odd taxi for drunk college students for the longest time anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, that's – so we don't have those experiences of, well, I've got to walk five blocks in the subway. Hope I don't get shot on the way there because somebody wanted my money. Right, or, you know, when I get there, I need to stand away from everybody else just in case there's a fucking drive-by so I don't get caught up in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's all keeping your head on a swivel, right? But I mean, overall, the album. I guess we can get into grades then. I kind of explain myself with that a little bit better. Uh, well, so, do you want to before before we grade it? And I, you know, I'm I'm cool with going in and grading if you want to. But I, I did you have any tracks that you wanted to mention before we do that? Oh well, like Fell Territory, Five Blocks to the Subway, Love Denied is like this. It's interesting coming from the rest of the album coming into that at the end where you have this nice, soft opening kind of... I don't... A little bit calming. It's a little bit alarming as well. Yeah, that's kind of a a throwback to uh, some... uh, A little heavier, but to some Black Sabbath stuff where they'd have like the one kind of a semi-acoustic happy-ish song on it. Uh, Their introduction for State of the World Address, their stuff titled was pretty solid uh tales from the hard side like yeah i agree i actually didn't really care for much about how it is i thought it was a little too over the top uh, you, but you live it like that you die like this tracy come on now <laughs> <laughs> uh, normally a cheesy kind of guy but <laughs> fair enough yeah it's a, like um I would say that there are 14 tracks. I think a, a solid eight to nine of them I really like, and the others are just okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, which, I mean, I, that's probably kind of how I felt about Urban Discipline, too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they are giving their listeners a lot of bang for their buck while and shoehorning so fucking many tracks onto the sound. So that actually brings me to something I was brought up, I think, before the podcast. It's kind of an interesting discussion point for how me and you both listen to music and kind of comparison. Cause you were, you know, when we talked about my navel gazing, here's your four tracks for an hour and a half, (laughs) you know? So we got that. And then the other side, flip side, you've got 14 tracks an hour. So listening to these songs, 
I'd get through like eight tracks. I'm like, okay, the albums get close to be done. I was like, oh wait, there's still seven more tracks to go. Like I'd still see that. And so like, I'm hearing the tracks change over and seeing them change over. And so mentally, since I'm so used to listening to songs being five to eight minutes that I'm like, okay, I'm getting close to the end of the album now. And then it's like, oh, there's still quite a bit more album left to go on this. So it's kind of like the vice versa issue for you is where you're like, is this song done yet? It's been going on for a while. I'm like, huh, this album feels like it's taken on for as many songs I've gone through on this. Well, to be fair, and I complain about those Naval Gaze albums, I think this album was too long, too. I really do. I think um, that they could have shaved, like I said, about four or five tracks off of this, and it would have made it a much stronger album, and probably would have had it come in somewhere between the 30 and 40-minute mark, which is where I would rather an album be. Yeah, not quite the Slayer all on one side of the tape deck recording, but Well, to be fair... I mean, even Slayer only did that one time. Most of the other stuff was like 38 to 45 minutes. I wonder if that was a go or if they just kind of stumbled into that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> that's a question you can ask them someday. I don't think I ever get to have the conversation with them. At least not all of them at once. No, yeah, but I mean, you shoot a uh, tweet to Kerry King or uh, Tom Araya and see if they answer you. I, I have a better chance of getting an answer from Jeff Hanneman with an Ouija board. So I'll try my response there. <laughs> try that too, I guess. Did you be <laughs> so I'll try my response that way. Okay. We'll see what's Jeff. How about that? Yeah. The answer is yes. Always yes. <laughs> so yeah, man, let's go ahead and grade this thing. Alrighty. Uh, I'll go first. This is my first listen through. Um, I gave, I'm going to give it a B. I think I'm going to give, I gave Urban Discipline a B as well. And this one's not quite a setting as well as Urban Discipline, but I think some of the tracks are setting a little bit better. Outside of Punishment, because Punishment, I mean, kind of hard to. But I think a couple of the, some of the tracks overall are setting better outside of Urban Discipline than this. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Um, so I I kind of agree with with what you're saying in that I think Punishment is a better song than any of the individual songs on this, even though I think I like the individuals, some of the individual tracks on here more than you, but I think that this is more consistent of an album. Um, and I guess for that reason, I'm going to, to wind up coming in at the same grade that I gave urban discipline and that I'm going to give this an a minus. Um, again, it's just too long. Um, Although I do find it to be a cohesive album that kind of fits right into the mode that they were doing with Urban Discipline, there are some moments where it's like, this doesn't quite seem to fit. Um, And I really do wish that they had trimmed like four or five tracks off of it. Uh, 
Oh, grading. I don't feel too bad about it then for my grading. Then I was like, oh, is that the old? Hmm. No, you, you should never feel bad about your grading, my brother. Sometimes I wonder if I'm too harsh. <laughs> I'm usually harsher than you. Yeah. I mean, I have like some albums that I'm like super gushy about um, because I, I've been listening to them for so long. And, you know, full disclosure, this might be one of them because I, I bought this when it came out. Um, yeah. But I, I really do think that, you know, um, and, and maybe this is the last one that, although Mattelio was really good too. And then some of the other stuff is good. And there's a couple of the Biohazard albums I haven't listened to. So, um, but as the last album with the classic lineup or the original lineup, I still see all the potential for this band that I saw in the early 90s. It's a shame they never quite reached it for various reasons. Um, but... I do think that as a snapshot of what it was life was like on the street, probably not, maybe not into the nineties, but in like when they were growing up in the late seventies and, and through the eighties uh, of what urban life in New York was like, other than some East coast rap, you're not going to do better than biohazard. I think I agree. And I, I don't think you're going to find any in metal that does better than Biohazard. Uh, 100%. Well, I think that's all I got for today. That is also all the fuck that I have to give today. My, I am completely out of fucks like Biohazard is out of nice things to say. I think I got something that can make you give you a fuck by the end of next week. What's up, my brother? Next episode, we're going to be doing in tunes Wolverine Blues. Snickety snick, as the Edmantium claws pop out. <laughs> and I just mind went back to oh, uh, what was it? Oh, the first X Men movie that came out during the oh, the Blackhawk, and they're flying. It's like, what is this shit? And they got the suits on. Yeah. And uh, Cyclops looks and was like, what? Would you rather be in yellow? <laughs> I, I I would have. I mean, it made sense that, you know, we're going to try and play this off as real, but I would like to have seen him in his original Wolverine costume, or even the brown and yellow as opposed to the uh, uh, yellow and black Tiber strike. strike I don't I think there were yellow accents on the movies for him. I think it was all just black. No, it was. It was they were black leather jumpsuits, effectively. Yeah, the yellow and blue would have been nice. The brown and yellow would have been a little too much, I think. I always liked that outfit. Maybe I don't that's know just if he's visually pleasing. In a, a, depending on what they did story-wise, I think it sure. would. Sure. Like, if they were doing X-Men as a whole, give me blue and yellow. But if you're doing some of, like, the Son of Wolverine with Dokken or... Old Man Logan or something like, you know, his more, I can say, darker storylines when they're embracing looking at his past. Uh -huh. Sure. Give me the orange and yellow. Okay. Or the brown and orange, whatever you want to call that suit. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was brown and, and yellow-ish, but... All right, my brother. Burnt. Let's go with burnt. <laughs> right. 
Entombed Wolverine Blues. An album that was heavily pushed at the time that I know I listened to, but I don't fucking remember, so I'm, I'm excited to go back and listen to it again. And this will be my first listen to, so... Dude, and you're, if we're not going to be able to replicate the um, the media push, but there were advertisements for this everywhere. Um, commercials on MTV, advertisements in magazines, everything, and almost all of them, you've seen the Marvel licensed character, the Wolverine. Huh. Be interesting to check out. Actually, we may have to to track down one of the videos because I think one of the videos actually had Wolverine in it too. I'm looking at the album cover because you can't really make it out what's on it. But uh, yeah, that's not Wolverine. <laughs> but no, I don't think he was on the album cover. But just kind of flipping through some of the images, you're seeing you're looking at all the Wolverine blue shit for it, so. Yeah, right. I could, I could see it there. Huh. Alrighty, man. Well, maybe we can get some Hugh Jackman as a stand-in for a third on this, so he can talk about his namesake. <laughs> uh, this was way before Hugh Jackman was uh, ever in consideration for Wolverine. All right, we'll get Claremont. I'll pull some strings. <laughs> right. Oh, it reminds me, we get off the grass or something. Okay. Well, uh, you want to close this up then, my brother? All righty, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in this time. And check it and Come back and listen to us next time on Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Reviews. Ah.